0: you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them to Luke chapter eight. Um, Luke chapter eight, I really debated all week. I, I told you I would pick up at the end of Philippians uh, where we left off last week because it was so important to me that you understood in order to deal with anxiety, uh, we, we present our requests to the Lord, we cast our cares onto him, but it's so important that the next step of that is that we keep our mind renewed with the truth, that we watch what we're thinking on, um, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, um, that whole list that's in the uh, that follows that passage. Um, I really wanted to preach on that tonight, but the Lord uh, had other plans. And so forgive me for that, I may revisit it, but I, I really believe I'm gonna, um, I, I, I believe I have a word for the Lord for you tonight. So Luke chapter 10, I'm sorry, did I say chapter eight? Luke chapter 10. I'm going to just uh, read a few verses, verses 38 through 42. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. But would you just pray with me before we begin? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living, that it's powerful, that it never ever returns void that it always goes forth and prospers for the very thing that you sent it to do. And I declare and decree over every ear that can hear me tonight that your word is going to prosper in their heart and their mind. I thank you that hearts are going to be ready to receive and softened to receive. Oh, Father, my heart is heavy for people that that have so hardened their heart that it shows on their face. That troubles me, Lord. That joy is available to them, that peace is available to them, but instead they've hardened their heart to you, to your powerful word that has the ability to transform and and renew and restore and refresh and that no weapon that the enemy has formed in their life has the ability to prosper over your word that your word will always work, it will always return, uh, it will it, it, it'll, it'll always prosper for the very thing you send it to do, it won't ever come back void. And yet, Lord, they've been deceived into believing that they're stuck, that they're, they have no choice but to be bitter and angry and full of unforgiveness and hatred and jealousy and envy and all those things that make us so ugly, Father, I pray for those people tonight. They would receive this word and that it would prosper in hearts and minds. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at verse. Thirty-eight, familiar story. I, I'm fully aware of it. I, I, I'm fully aware that most of us know this story inside, outside, and backwards. That that, that we we've heard a zillion sermons preached on it. But I I just want to tell you that God's word is fresh, uh, just like He said to the Israelites, "Go out and I'll, I'll drop manna for you." But you you just pick up what you need for today, and tomorrow there'll be fresh manna. I, I, I'm just so glad that His word is is fresh manna every day that no matter how many times you've heard it, I buy a new Bible every single year because I mark my Bible up. And and I believe that when I return to a passage that I read the year before that there's going to be fresh manna, I don't want those notes in my Bible from last year because I want fresh filling. I want fresh revelation. I want a fresh understanding from heaven above. He is the living word. And when I encounter him in his word, I I encounter him. It's an encounter with Jesus every time I open his word because it's living. He is the living word. In the beginning was the word. I, I'm, I'm looking at messages to preach for Christmas and, and, and I said to David, I don't want to do James I, or I don't want to do John. I said, I, I don't want to do in the beginning was the word. I want to do, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the city of David, a savior has been born. That's the one I want to do. But I just want to tell you that in that manger on Christmas morning was the word and he was the living word who came to earth to live it out before us, to prove, a, prove to us that it can be done. Can I tell you this word can be done. It's not impossible, it's not too hard, it's not too much, and it is the way of life. It is, it is the way of life. Do you understand that? The, the, his pleasant path leads to pleasant places. This word leads me to pleasant places. Do you know why I have unpleasant places in my life? Because I insist on doing it my way. I insist in glorifying the flesh. I insist on letting my flesh have its way and I disobey God's word. Verse 38, now it happened that as they went, that he, er, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I love that. <laughs> Can you just imagine? See, we've heard this story a million times and and we, we lose the punch. When you're familiar with scripture like that, you kind of lose the punch. And I, I just want you to picture this. I am a visual learner. And so when I study the word of God, I try to put myself in the picture. Anybody with me? I, I try to smell the smells. I like to envision what people would be wearing, what the weather was like, what their voices sounded like. Like, and I just want you to picture this. I I don't know how many Marthas we have here. I'm a Martha, I like a clean house, anybody besides me. I really don't like when you drop in unexpected because I do not want there to be any dishes in the sink when you come to visit me. I want freshly vacuumed carpets. Anybody besides me like the lines, just straight, I, I love it. I'll say, Dave, don't walk over the carpet, I just vacuumed. And he'll be like, Ria, really? I like it, anybody besides me like that? And, I want candles burning when you come. I, I want my house to smell good. I, I want the lights to be on. Anybody, uh, Martha, besides me. And, and so I just want you to picture this. Can you, op- can you imagine? This was before text messaging and email and, and even the postal service. It wasn't like Jesus could, could, could give Martha a phone call and say, Hey, girl, uh, the disciples and I are going to be in your neighborhood, and I'm just wondering if we could stop in for dinner. Or, you know, a text, hey, just check in and see you wanna meet for coffee, can we stop by? I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. No, it wasn't like Martha could send out a letter and say, uh, dear Jesus and your 12 disciples, Mary and I would like to cordially invite you for dinner on such and such a night, you know? It wasn't like that could be planned. Can you imagine Martha, the doer, that the housekeeper, the one who was busy with much, with much stuff, uh, opening the door and seeing Jesus and his 12 disciples standing there. I can't even imagine. No wonder she was distracted with serving. She's probably thinking, I can't even believe they didn't call. I can't believe my house is a mess. I can't believe the, the floor wasn't swept. I don't even know how, many, how much food I have in the refrigerator. Can you imagine what she must have been thinking? See, we read this story a million times, but I want you to get the punch here. Martha was not ready for this. Jesus and 12 of his disciples, and the Bible says that Martha welcomed them into her house, and I just, I just wonder how I, I would have responded. And I, I, I bet I couldn't even focus on what Jesus was talking about or, or greeting him. I, I would probably be wondering about the cobweb in the corner that I happened to glance at and hope that Jesus didn't see. I, I, I'd be wondering if, I, if my makeup was on or if he caught me without makeup and if my hair was disheveled. And I, I just wonder how many of you can identify with that. I thought, I doubt very much I would drop everything I was doing and just sit with him and listen. No wonder she was busy with many things. No wonder she was distracted with serving. Our son, Mikey, <laughs> stopped in last night to see us, and and it really was not a good time, to be honest with you. And, because I, I was really in the middle of my sermon and I hadn't had much time to work on my sermon. So I, I told Dave after church, don't expect to see me. I'm just gonna lock myself in my office and I'm gonna study. And and Dave was busy with something and 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 but I'm telling you, I was so glad to see him. And and I dropped everything I was doing, and I went out to the, the kitchen and I sat at the at the bar in the kitchen and I just I just talked with him and Dave talked with him and we laughed together and, and I listened intently i wasn 't in any hurry i didn 't care what was waiting for me in my office. I just was so happy to see Mikey and I was listening intently to every detail he was sharing about his life and, and my heart was just swelling with, with love for him as as we visited with him, and no amount of busyness that was calling my name could distract me uh, from Mikey. Nothing was more important to me than spending that moment of time with him and, and, and I'm just telling you that as I sat with him, I was studying this message and I thought, Jesus, that's what you want for me. You don't want anything to distract me when you call. When you drop in for a visit, but when, when you want me to, to come and sit with you, you, you want me to drop everything and not, not have anything of, be of more value or more importance than just being with you, Jesus. How many times have you felt the nudge uh, of God just telling you to come aside and come spend time with him, come and, and sit in prayer, come and spend time in his word and, and you were busy about many things and you didn't have time for any of that. Later, Jesus, I promise I'm going to make time for you and then you find yourself at midnight ready to slip into bed and you think, Jesus, I, I really wanted to spend time with you. I, I just got distracted with many things. Look at that scripture, it says that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. You know what that tells me? It tells me that that Jesus wasn't randomly choosing Martha's house. He was intentional. Commentators tell us that Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus were good friends with Jesus. In fact, Luke Luke 8 tells us that Mary supported Jesus out of her sustenance. There were women that were with Jesus in his ministry that supported him financially. And, And we see that every time that Jesus was in Bethany, he would make a surprise visit to Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus and notice it said that Mary welcomed Jesus into her house and that that means it was her house this was at a time when when women didn't own property and and women were not much more than property and and here is this this woman who has her own house that tells me she was strong how how many of you like I like strong women I'm a strong woman. I, I like strong women. And, and this was her house. It belonged to her, which made her the, the head of the home. And commentators think Martha was probably widowed and that she, she would have been very wealthy. And, and we know that because her house was large enough uh, that it could hold her, her sister, and her brother, and Jesus, and his 12 disciples. It was a big house. Jesus and his disciples were there for a meal, and and Martha had no trouble providing for them uh, the, the meal that they needed. That tells me she was probably wealthy. She had enough food in her house to accommodate Jesus and his disciples, and I, I think sometimes Martha gets bad press when it comes to this story, but I want you to know that Jesus, coming through Bethany, was on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was about two miles from Bethany. And why was Jesus headed to Jerusalem? To the cross? And even though that's not gonna happen for a couple chapters, if you look at the timetable of this book, that's where Jesus was headed, was to the cross. And, and, and so Jesus was, was, was coming through Bethany to go to the cross. And, and you see, Martha willingly invited him. The word welcomed means she welcomed him as a guest. She was excited for him to be there. This was not a time when Jesus was super popular. It was not cool to be his friend during this time. It was kind of dangerous to be his friend during this time. And yet Martha welcomed him into her home. And, and I just say kudos to Martha. Anybody besides me see that and yet she gets such bad press. But it's interesting to me that while everybody else was rejecting Jesus, Martha received him. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you haven't rejected Jesus and you've received him as your Lord and Savior. But, but I just, I, you've welcomed him into the home uh, of your heart. But, but, but I just want to tell you that, that what you're going to find out about Martha is even though she didn't reject him and she received him and she welcomed him into her home, she did not listen to him. She didn't have time to sit at his feet and learn from him. And I just want to tell you, church, that it's entirely possible that you're sitting here tonight and you didn't reject Jesus. You have received him. You've welcomed him into your life. But it's highly possible that you don't take time to sit at his feet and hear his voice and listen to him. And that's what we're going to see in this story tonight. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Oh, I, I'm a preacher. I love the word. And I love that Jesus went into that house. And, and, and we can see from that scripture that he immediately began to do what he came to do. He, he immediately, he didn't go in and say, hey, Martha, what's for dinner? He didn't have small talk. You know, I'm on my way to the cross. He didn't have to do any of that. He, he sat right down and began to teach. And we know that because Mary was sitting at his feet. And, and remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows the end is near, and he is going to make the most of every opportunity because he understood that time was short. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you understand that time is short? It's short. I'm here to tell you I believe with every ounce of my being that time is short. And even if it wasn't, life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It at best is short in your life. I I was reading a scripture this week from Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. It says, be very careful then how you live. Oh, somebody say, be very careful. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Can I tell you, every opportunity we have, we should make the most of it. We should use it as an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus or to manifest the presence of Jesus to somebody because the days are evil and we as believers are called to redeem the time, to buy it back, to make the most use of every opportunity. And Jesus knew that, and he didn't waste any time. He sat down to preach, and the Bible says that Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. The fact that she sat at his feet is a big deal because, uh, you see, at that time, Jewish men, uh, it would have been shocking for them to see a woman sitting at a rabbi's foot. Because rabbis did not have female disciples. Girls did not receive a formal education. But I love that my Jesus shatters every cultural norm. I love that he breaks through everything that the world says a woman should be. And he is the greatest liberator of women that there, there was. And I love that he did not forbid Mary from sitting at his feet. Rather encouraged it. The Bible said that Mary sat to hear, which denotes she paid close attention to him. That place at his feet—that's the place of a disciple. It says that that Mary was being discipled. She took the position of a discipler or of a disciple. Matthew Henry says, "Our sitting at Christ's feet when we hear His word—listen to this—signifies a readiness to receive it." and a submission and entire resignation of ourself to the guidance of it. Can I ask you, when you sit under his word, do you have a readiness to receive it? Do you have a willingness to submit to it? Do, Do you resign yourself to the guidance of it, or do you rebel against it? Mary was there to learn. Don't miss the fact that it says Mary also was sitting at the feet of Jesus. That word also is important because sometimes we hear this message preached and we think that Martha was the only one that was doing the work. And and that also is there, commentators say, because what it means is that Mary was serving but she was also sitting at the feet of Jesus. You see, Mary knew where the priority was. Mary knew that the serving could wait, but sitting at Jesus' feet could not. She was making sitting at his feet a priority. I wonder if you make sitting at his feet a priority. The Bible says that that she was sitting at Jesus' feet and she heard his word. That word heard is one of my favorite Greek words. It's a kuo. It means to hear and to obey. It means to hear and yield to. It means to yield obedience to the voice. So how many of you hear Jesus speaking to you and you yield obedience to the voice? That tells me that she wasn't just listening to Jesus' words. She was willing to yield her obedience to them. The tense here is really important. It's the imperfect tense, the active voice. The active voice means that that she made a purposeful decision of her will to hear Jesus. Oh, I love that. I'm telling you, that's what we must do every single day. We have to make a purposeful decision of our will to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what Mary did. That's the tense. That's what it means when she sat at Jesus' feet. It means that she made a decision of her will not to be running around like a chicken with its head cut off with Martha, but to make a decision to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. It was purposeful. I'm telling you, church, we have got to get purposeful with our time with Jesus. Ask Dave. I'm purposeful. I would love to sleep in. I'm just telling you, I am chronically fatigued. I I don't ever sleep much, past day. what would you think? Four in the morning. It's rare for me to sleep past four in the morning because I'm telling you, when he summons me, I go. When he summons me, I go, because I understand there is one thing I have need of, and it is to sit at his feet and be strengthened in his presence. I got too much stuff going on in my life. I've got too much garbage I have to face in my life. I have too many troubles, too many cares, too many anxieties to be messing around, sleeping in bed till nine in the morning. I've got to get up when my Jesus calls me, because I understand that is where my help comes from. I understand it. And you see, I have to make a purposeful decision of my will. It's not fun. I would love to sleep in. I would love it. I really would love it. I, I love that man. I love, I love cuddling up next to him. I, I, I love feeling his arms around me. I would love nothing better than to stay in bed with him. But when he calls, I will come. And that was Mary. There is nothing that's going to distract me from sitting in his presence. I I was teaching on Friday morning. We have a Friday morning Bible study that I absolutely love. And and I was quoting a scripture. Somebody was asking how how I got to to get up so early in the morning when I'm so tired. And I said, I came across a scripture in Isaiah 50 that says, he wakens me. I I want to read it to you. I don't want to misquote it. It says, um, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. Oh, anybody besides me want a well-instructed tongue. I I take very seriously when I preach the word of God. I don't want to preach wise, uh, fine-sounding words. I have no desire to just preach a message that tickles your ears. I have no desire to say what you think you want to hear. I want a wise and instructed tongue. I want a well-instructed tongue. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. I, I talked to my friend uh, from Friday morning on Sunday. She was at church, and she said, you know, Ria, I found that scripture you were talking about. And, and she said, and I, I prayed it. And, and she said, I said, Lord, you, if you you know that's what I said. If if I, I just said, Lord, if you waken Isaiah morning by morning, you can waken me. I'm asking you to wake me. And and my friend said, I so I said it, Rhea. I said, Lord, it, you wake Rhea, You woke Isaiah. I, I'm asking you to wake me in the morning. And she said, Rhea, Sure enough, he did. And she said, and then I rolled back over and went back to sleep. And I said, you you stopped a a verse short of where you should have stopped. And I said, the next verse is, the sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I did not turn away. (laughs) And I'm telling you, that is the key that when he wakens you, when he summons you, that you're not rebellious and you don't turn away. You see, I have a will, but like Mary, I have to be purposeful. I have to be purposeful and set my will to obey him, to go when he calls, Mary made a purposeful decision to position herself to hear from Jesus and, and, and she treasured his word in her heart. Martha did not. Oh, she welcomed him into her home, but she was too busy doing for him to hear from him. See, some of us in the church today are too busy doing for him that we don't take the time to hear from him verse 40 says that Martha was distracted with much serving uh, she was busy serving the Lord and she was distracted and it, the, the, the one commentary says that hospitality in, in in among the Jewish society was really highly prized and and, and it was that the the honor and the reputation of every woman was really associated with how hospitable she was and and maybe that's why Martha was so distracted by it because she wanted to make a good impression. She probably thought, what, was Je- what would Jesus think? What was the disciples thinking? And Because you know what? It's, it's all about what people think, right? Can I just tell you, when we care more about what others think of us than about what God thinks about us, we are highly likely to be distracted from what is of eternal importance in life. We will conform ourselves to what somebody else wants us to be instead of to what God says we are. So I believe that Martha's heart was sincere, but, but she was distracted because of, this, uh, uh, because of serving in this hosp- hospitality. Her, her identity is, was in what she could do for him, not who she was with him. And Jesus said, the scripture says she was distracted. That word distracted means to draw away, to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied, to be too busy, uh, to be pulled away and to be distracted by cares and responsibilities. Can I just tell you that we live in a time where we are overly busy, where we are distracted by many things. We, we're we distracted by technology. Our phones are just, my kids, they're on their phones all the time going, they, they can flip through Instagram and Snapchat and, and what's that TikTok stuff. And I mean, they're like all the in and out of apps like you can't even imagine. They're just so quick. and. We're distracted by social media. We're we're distracted by busyness, by what people think about us. We're, we're distracted by by cares and concerns and worries. And, and we live in, in a time where it's easy to become busy and overoccupied. My mama used to say to me, Ria, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy because he accomplishes the same thing. Martha was distracted with much serving. She was preparing the physical food for Jesus and that kept her from taking in the spiritual food that he was offering. And I think that's so many of us in the church today. I'm really concerned about the pulpits today in America. I'm concerned uh, uh, about pastors who work to get a sermon together who are building an empire and, and haven't spent any time at the feet of Jesus to do it that decisions are being made about church and church politics, but there's been no seeking the face of Jesus to do it. We're distracted by success. We're we're distracted by by building an empire. We're we're distracted by the things of this world. When you fly in an airplane, the flight attendant instructs you to put an oxygen mask on before helping others. because they understand if you run out of oxygen, you'll be in no place to help another person. You have to get replenished yourself. And and church, this is us. We need to get replenished. I'm telling you, I got too much pulling on me. I have too many cares and concerns and too many things trying to drain me every single day. I have to get up in the morning and plug into Jesus because that's where I get my refreshment. That's where I get my power. It's like a beautiful lamp sitting on an end stand that isn't plugged in. It looks really pretty, but it has no power, and we've got to plug into the power source to get power from on high. Martha, this was a neglected opportunity. She had this chance to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him, and yet she was busy about many things. She was distracted by the good and it made her miss out on the best. Sometimes we think the bad can distract us, but I want you to see this was not bad that was distracting her, it was good. And I wonder how often I do that, how often I miss out on the best that Jesus has for me because I've chosen my best. I've chosen what looks good to me, busyness instead of something else competing for my attention instead of him. so Martha, the word of God says, was distracted with many with much serving. And, and then verse 40b, uh, she says that, that she approached the Lord and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her to help me. And I just want to park there for one second because this is just so comical to me. Martha approached Jesus. And, and this is why looking in and delving in, this is what we do on Friday mornings, delving into the Greek is so important. That word approach, is so much better than it looks on that page. The, the word approach actually is an explosive act. It, 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 is, it, it really means a bursting in or upon Jesus, and it's, the, it's in the aggressive aorist tense, and, and, and it's, it's, it's the same word that's used when, you know, Gabriel just suddenly appears and says, don't be afraid, or the angel of the Lord, bam, appears, and they don't know where he came from, or um. Oh, hmm, let's see, there's another another one. Um, oh, I know, the day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. It's that word as well, where it'll come like that, you weren't even ready for it. That's what this is. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching his disciples. He's got Mary's sweet girl sitting at his feet. It's a good time. Everybody's listening to Jesus, and all of a sudden, explosive Martha comes back balling, comes just barreling in out of the kitchen and and says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She's not helping me, Lord. Look at what I'm doing for you, and she is not helping me. In fact, the tense that she uses is in in perfect active tense. It means she keeps leaving me. She comes in and helps for a little bit, and the next thing I know, she's at your feet again. Can you tell her to help me? Now, this is funny because it's the same Martha that you'll remember this story. When her brother Lazarus was sick, she sent word to Jesus. She knew where he was, by the way, so she knew how long it would take for him to get back. And she sends a messenger to Jesus, and, and she says, tell him the one you love is sick. And she expects Jesus to just run to her rescue, and he delays intentionally where he is two more days. And what happens? Lazarus dies. And so Jesus decides he's gonna go to Bethany and he's coming up over the hill to Bethany and guess who's running out to meet him? Martha. If you had been here, like I told you, our brother would not have died. Does that just give you a picture of Martha? I mean, can you imagine? Explosive. Rhea is what I really like to think. And, And so can you imagine I mean, who bosses Jesus around? I just want to know. What kind of woman is this? And then she says, Lord, don't you care? So now she's calling him Lord. Where are my Friday morning people? What's the definition of that word Lord? He to whom a person belongs and who has the power of deciding in your life. (laughs) Wait a second. You're calling me Lord and then you're accusing me of not caring and you're bossing me around. But Lord, he to whom a person belongs and who has the power of deciding. I have the power of deciding in your life, Martha. You don't get to boss me. How many times do we do that? Jesus, can I just tell you how to handle this? And where were you? And do you even care about me? Lord. Lord tell her to help me. Now she's, you know, full of self-pity as well. Look at all I'm doing for you, Lord, and nobody's helping me, and woe is me, and uh, you know. That word, help me, is very interesting. It means um, to give assistance by sharing a burden, to lend a helping hand. Guess where the only other place that word is used? In reference to the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Tell her to help me. No, you have the Holy Spirit. So remember, he's in the middle of teaching. Can you imagine how miserable and growly Martha must have been? You see, that's what happens when somebody's dissatisfied with life. They get miserable and growly and they blame everybody and they are full of self pity and they're they short tempered and outbursts like that. And that happens when you're not satisfied with life. And see, Mary had learned the secret. She had learned to be satisfied with Christ. It's a choice. Mary's priority was Jesus. She knew that only he could satisfy. That word priority, I looked it up in the Webster's. It means something that is of more importance than any other thing the thing that needs to be done or first. Can I just tell you, priority is the status which we attach to something that has value to us. Is he your priority? Is spending time with Jesus your priority? It needs to be. Because if you're miserable, if you are are nasty and unkind, I'm telling you the place to deal with that, the place to find satisfaction even when all hell is breaking loose in your life is at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. It's interesting, I I read a scripture in Ezra this week, Ezra chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. As much as I've read the Bible, I've never seen this one before. It's talking about Ezra, and it says, the good hand of the Lord was upon him. Anybody besides me want the good hand of the Lord to be upon you. And the good hand of the Lord was upon him, and then it explains why, stating that he had firmly resolved to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. He had firmly resolved to study the law of the Lord and to practice it in his life. Therefore, the hand, the mighty hand of the Lord was upon him. You see, Ezra determined to make God's word the priority in his life. Mary had determined to make God's word the priority in her life. And and, and Jesus is saying, this is what is needful, Martha. This is what you need to make my word the priority in your life. Then you're not going to be troubled and worried about many things. Then you're not going to be distracted. Then those things in your life will not have power to make you growly and nasty. You make my word the priority. In your life. Martha, I'm sure, thought she was just being responsible. After all, they were entertaining Jesus. When I wrote that and typed that in my notes, I, I grieved. I didn't mean to type that word, it's just what what came out and they were entertaining Jesus. I, I like to entertain I, Dave and I like to have people in for dinner and but when I typed it, the Lord said, Do you entertain me? Just entertain me in your life instead of depend on me for your very being. Is your Christian walk about entertaining me and making it look good? Is it just an act or is it the real deal? Are you real in in your belief and your love for him? Say, well, Rhea, Martha had the responsibility to feed Jesus and his disciples. I, I, I like that, but Joseph XL says, Jesus would rather feed than be fed. He wants to feed you at his feet, he, he wants you to soak up his word. So Martha says, Can you tell her to help me, Lord? And Jesus, it's just such a tender response. Look at it in verse 41 Martha, Martha. And just imagine him taking her hand. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Notice, it's not you're worried and troubled to you. I, I, I preach this sermon a million times. I've never seen this. It's not that you're worried and troubled about serving. It's not that you're worried and troubled about how you're going to feed all these disciples and me. It's not that you're worried and troubled about what your house looks like. Now we've gone to her being distracted by many things and now by, by serving, and now she's worried and troubled about many things. And see, that is the root. That is what's causing all that ugly to come out from her because she's worried and distracted about many things. I wonder how many of you are sitting here tonight worried and distracted by many things. that. That word worried is the exact word we studied last week. It's why I went to this story. It's the word for anxious. It means to be troubled with care, to be full of anxiety or worried, to be pulled in different directions, to be unduly concerned and be burdened with anxious care. It's interesting, it's in the present tense. It means that was her habit. She was a nervous Nellie. She was an anxious Anne. She anxiety and worry was the thing that dominated her life. And I wonder how many of you are sitting here tonight and anxiety and worry dominates your life. It harasses you. It torments you. And I can tell you that my Jesus does not want you living in that place. But the solution is at his feet. It's at his feet. And you can choose, will I continue to live my life full of anxiety, full of anxious worries, full of cares and concerns, or will I find what I need at the feet of Jesus? Martha, Martha. I love that he repeats her name twice. He's done that several times. Simon, Simon. Saul, Saul. Samuel, Samuel. Can you hear the tenderness? The New Living Translation paraphrases it, my dear Martha. J.B. Phillips says, Martha, my dear, you are worried and troubled about many things. Jesus isn't angry with her. He's not mad at her that she's anxious and worried. He's concerned for her. He said, Anxious and troubled, that word trouble means to disturb. It means to be troubled in mind or disquieted. It means to cause unrest or turbulence in your life. Worried and troubled about many things. Jesus has said, wasn't reprimanding her for for working. He was reprimanding her for worrying. He was saying one thing is needful. I have the solution to that worry and those troubles and it is time spent with me. It's time in restful communi- communion with me. It is in a place of communion at his feet that we get filled back up. This week I went into my bathroom and and I, I was going to scrub my kid- my bathroom sink out and I, I got in the, the laundry room closet. I have a bucket of cleaning supplies in there and I reached in to get a sponge and, and it was dried up. It had been used in a while, and it was kind of curled up and, and hard as a rock. <laughs> and, and I went to just like scrub off the counter with that sponge. Yeah, that didn't work. Because, because you know for that sponge to really fulfill its purpose and to be usable, it has to be drenched in water. It has to be be marinated in that water until it gets Full and, and then it can be really used for its, its purpose, the purpose it was created for. And church, as I held that sponge in my hand, I thought about this message and I thought about how many of us are dried up and, and, and we're just curled up in a ball, some of us with anxiety and worry and fear. And some of our hearts are hardened, as hard as a rock. And, and Jesus is holding you in his hand and, and he's like, this, I have a solution for this got to be drenched in the water of my word. It's got to marinate in my presence and get filled up. And in that place, you can return for your, to your place of usefulness, to your place of purpose. Martha, Martha, you're worried and concerned about many things. Pe- uh, Matthew Henry says, the many things she was troubled about were needless while the one thing she neglected was the needful thing. You're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing, he says, is needed. One thing is needed. Can I tell you, we read, uh, we studied the, the parable of the sower and the seed a number of months ago, and and, and we read about how the cares and the concerns of this worry will ch- this world will choke out the word. Remember, the sower sows the seed; it's received, and the 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 seed starts to sprout up, but then the cares and this concern choke out. Uh, that that word and that's what happens when God speaks a now word a ready word into your circumstances and he talks to you about your son or your daughter or your marriage or your finances or your health and, and you get a now word a ready word from his word and it begins to just take root in your heart and you think yes I can do this I can face another day I can believe God's word over the natural and then all of a sudden you get another bad report and you start to believe that report and the cares and the concerns of this word, just choke out that word. Martha, Martha, you're concerned and worried about many things, but one thing is needful, for you to hang on my word, for you to not let go of my word, for you not to let those cares and those concerns choke out the truth of my word. What are the cares and the worries that distract you from your time with Jesus? What are the worries and the anxieties that distract you from being with Jesus? There's one thing that's needed. What's your one thing? What is the one thing that you think, if I just had this, I wouldn't be concerned? If I just had this thing, I wouldn't be anxious all the time. If I just had this thing, I could just be with Jesus more, and I wouldn't have to worry about all this. So what is your one thing that you think you need? That your husband would love you better? that your wife would be sexier, prettier, that you had more money in the bank, a nicer house, a nicer car, a better job, that you had a child that you didn't have a child. (laughs) What is the one thing that you think you need to finally make you happy? Can I tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell because only Jesus, I have a testimony like I have because I looked everywhere else for the one thing that could satisfy, for the one thing that would meet my needs, for the one thing that could finally make me happy, for the one thing that could finally make me content, and let me save you a whole lot of pain and heartache, only Jesus. I checked every place else, only Jesus. If you could find peace, if you could find happiness, if you could find joy and contentment in anything other than Jesus, I, my friends, would have found it. Let me save you a whole lot of pain and heartache, only Jesus. He says, Martha, there's one thing that's needed. That word needed is, that's necessary, that it actually means duty or employment, it means business. There's one thing that's needed, and Mary has chosen it. And that word chosen means she made a choice. It means to pick out for money. It means I had other options, but I chose Jesus. I had other options, but I chose to sit at his feet. I had other options, but I chose to hang on his word. I had other options, but but I exhausted all of them and decided Jesus was the one. It's a choice. Every single morning for me, it's a choice to choose Jesus over all the other distractions to make him the priority and not the things that are clamoring for my attention. What has chief place in your thoughts and in your cares? What is the distraction in your life that keeps you from Jesus? What are you preoccupied with? What's the thing that keeps you from the feet of Jesus? He invites you to come. He longs for you to come but you've got to choose. It's an option. It's a choice, and he waits for you to choose it. Hmm, There's so much I I want to talk to you about, but I I, I won't, but let me just tell you a story before we close. My kids are all over the United States, and I, I love my grandchildren so much I can't even tell you, and and I live for the holidays when they're all together, and 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 our daughter who lives in Atlanta has I have to share every other year holidays with her in-laws, and and so this was my Thanksgiving, and and I'm super excited about seeing Mason and 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 Brooke and uh, Steve, and I. I Tyler and Betsy can't come down from Minnesota, because they're having the baby, and so we we had a small, you know, the kids that are coming, uh, Christy can't come in from Colorado, and so I was like living to just see Brooke and Steve, and, and, you know, the boys are here, and, and then Mason would be coming, and so I, I mean, I, I started planning, I was buying, where were we, Leslie, months and months ago, I bought Thanksgiving plates, and I, I'm, I'm super excited, my family's all going to be together, and and Brooke and Steve are—they're—they're buying—they're building a house right now, and just, I, I love to be with them. I'm just—I love it, and I miss them, and—and and I know they miss me, but they're busy with their life. You, you know, life is busy, and they're all working. They all have families. They all have busy lives, and—and and, and I live to see them. I, I love to be with them, and I look so forward to it. And we—we we got no—we got they got uh, uh, notified this week that their house is closing the Monday before Thanksgiving. And so, Bricky called me and she said, Mama, I know this is going to hurt you, but she said, would you just understand if we didn't come for Thanksgiving this year? My heart just broke. I was just like, no, what if I said no? (laughs) What if I pouted? What if I cried? Would that make it better? <laughs> and, and I said, no, darling, you need, you need to do what you need to do. I don't blame you at all. I understand you have a new house. You want to move into it. I would want to move into I get it. But man, my heart, I just wanted to say, doesn't matter. We're coming anyway because we want to see my mommy. I want to see my mom. I want to be with my mom. That's what I wanted her to say. But she chose. Differently. I was thinking about that this week as I was studying this, and I thought, I get it. I know that Jesus gets when I'm busy. I know that he gets that other things are pressing for my attention. But I just wonder if, like me, he just wants us to choose him. He just wants us to say, you're the priority. I'm coming. I had a call from Brookie. She said, you know what, we decided." we're coming for Christmas, we're going to trade with the in-laws, and we're going to go there Thanksgiving, and to you Christmas, and I was like, I got a better deal. (laughs) But it wasn't until I reconciled it and said, it's going to be okay, and can I tell you that every moment of the day, he waits for us to choose him he nudges us to come aside to pray. He, he nudges us to, to just pick up his word and study because he so wants to speak to us. He so wants to minister life to us. And, and what he sees is that we choose something else, something inferior, when we could have his superior presence. And I can hear him say, one thing, Rhea, is needful. Just one thing. I know you think that thing is needful. I know you think that thing is going to satisfy. I know you think your, your attention is better spent there, but there is one thing, child, that is needful, and it's you spending time with me. My mama used to say to me, Ria, put yourself in, under the spout where the glory comes out. And every morning when I get up and my house is still dark and I go down and I sit before the fireplace with the Lord, there's nothing more holy in my life and in my day than that time. There's nothing more pressing. There's nothing that is more, there's nothing that deserves more attention in my life than that moment with Jesus. Because he is the living word. And when I open up the written word and I read it and I ask for revelation, I encounter the living word, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he gives me everything I need to face my day. It's when I plug plug in to the power source that I get what I need to face the rest of the day. So Martha, whatever you're worried and distracted about, the many things in your life that vie for your attention, there is one thing that's needed. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll never regret making that choice, but it is a decision, an act of the will to choose it. So we're continuing in our series of how to walk in victory, how to live a victorious Christian life. I promise you, this is the biggest secret of all. I really want to be mindful of time. I'm trying to get you out every week at eight, but I really felt we were in prayings tonight in the back room and I really felt like I had just a strong word from the Lord. I really feel like bondages tonight are going to be broken. I really feel like the the Spirit of the Lord. There's a there's a. Uh, I really believe that there's a strong anointing for breaking addiction tonight. I, I've been asking the Lord for it. I really believe He's going to do it. Um, and, and so, if you need to leave, please I just ask that you leave quietly. You won't offend me at all. I don't care. Um, But if you want to stay, I want to pray for for people. I especially want to pray. I believe that anxiety is plaguing the nation. And that should not be. We have a God of who's a God of all peace. He wants his people to live in peace, free from anxiety, free from worry, free from distractions and cares. So we spent a couple of weeks talking about casting our cares and leaving our anxieties and our worries with him and, and and I would be remiss if I let you leave without praying for you to have those things broken off of you. I I just believe. I'm just telling you with every ounce of my being I believe that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. We have dumbed down church to a place where we can understand God and and you know he works in our timetable and in our comfort. That's not who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, he laid hands on blind eyes and he made them see. He, he took a lame leper, uh, uh, he, he made lame legs walk and, and leper skin be made white as snow. He. He took a demoniac who was possessed and he set him in his right mind and took a woman plagued by demons and set her free. He took an ear that was cut off and one touch And it was mended again. And the Bible I read, I I don't know about the one you're hearing preached anymore, but the Bible that I read says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he does not change. So that's the same God I serve. That's the same God I preach. That's the same God I, 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 I believe in with all of my heart. He doesn't change. And so I don't know what you're you're plagued with tonight. I I don't know what's distracting you. I, I don't know what's troubling you with cares and concerns, but I know the one who's able. I know him with every ounce of my being. I don't care if you think I'm whacked. I don't care if you think I'm way over the top. Spiritually, I am. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, unto deliverance. So if you need delivered tonight, I am telling you that I know the one who's able. Matter of fact, I'm tight with him. Eye has not seen an ear has not heard what God has in store for those who love him. You see... I'm just tired of a powerless pulpit. I'm tired of a powerless body of believers. I am tired of the enemy getting getting the front row seat and, and Jesus' followers taking the back row. It is time, church, for us to begin to rise up and be all that he called us to be and to do. Kingdom advancers and world shakers. That's what we're called to do. Do you believe? Yeah. Here's the most ironic thing to us. We, we call ourselves believers. But do you believe God? Because the word I believe says that you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not they might. Peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. That's the God I believe in. The one who says you're more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. The one who says he, he, he ever leads to, to lead you into victory and not defeat. That you are triumphant in him. that you don't have to be anxious about anything, that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, that you shall not be in one because he is your shepherd, that he'll lead you beside still waters, he'll restore your soul. I don't care who messed up your soul. I don't care what was done to you. I know who your healer is. See, we've got to stop agreeing with the enemy. You are more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You're not who that little girl that got abused, that got neglected, that got abandoned, that got rejected. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Rise up, O oh church, rise up. Do you believe God? So Father, I believe you. I believe your word over every other thing in my life. I absolutely believe your word, and I will not be moved by any other thing. And so, Father, I pray for every obstacle, every hindrance that is present in this room. Every ounce of unbelief, I tell, get going in the name of Jesus, because we are rising up in faith in this house. We believe you're who you say you are, and we believe you can do what you say you can do. I believe that you are God and absolutely not one thing, not one thing. You do not have the one thing that's impossible for him. Sorry, not sorry. Oh, Lord, you're powerful. You are mighty. You are mighty, Lord. You're our deliverer, that you're the restorer of all things, every broken relationship. If you're here tonight and you have a broken relationship that's weighing heavy on your heart, I want you to hold it up before the Lord right now. Just just mutter it in your mind. Just say, Lord, that's me. I identify with what she's saying. I have a broken relationship that's heavy on my heart right now. And, and Lord, we're just presenting those relationships to you. I feel it in my spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that that you came to tear down the dividing wall of hostility. Lord, I pray for every hostile wall that's been been erected in in this congregation. Against people and families, any feud. I tear it down in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you'd begin to demolish those walls in the name of Jesus. I pray for eyes to begin to see things clearly through your eyes, Lord. Not through their wound, not through their hurt, not through their abandonment or their rejection, but through your eyes, Lord. I pray for every heart that's been broken in this room. Words that have been said, words that have been spoken over them lies that have been believed as truth Lord I demolish them in the name of Jesus I silence those lying spirits in the name of Jesus and I speak the truth of who you say they are over them that they are more than a conqueror that they are precious that they are fearfully and wonderfully made that they are created in your image and in your likeness they are precious and valuable. I pray for those who are weary and heavy laden, who are carrying burdens they should not be carrying, Lord. They're distracted by them. They're weighed down by them. Lord, I pray that tonight that you who call yourself their burden bearer would come. Lift off burdens, Lord God. Let them feel a release, Father God. Lord, for those who are just full of sadness, despair, feelings of worthlessness, Lord. Father, I pray for encounter. That you, the breath of life, would breathe new life into that, Father. To stir up joy that's unspeakable. Peace that passes all understanding. Give them a sense of your presence, Lord. Wrap your loving arms around them. Let them feel the warmth of your embrace. for those who are full of regret, full of shame, Lord. One of my favorite scriptures is that you are the lifter of our head. You don't want us hanging our head in shame and disgrace. I pray, Lord God, to just wash them and make them white as snow. Your mercies are new every morning and your compassions never fail they don't have the one thing that you're not going to be compassionate about meet them with that heart of compassion Lord God lift off that shame and guilt the punishment that that, that you promised will bring them peace was upon you and the cross you paid for that sin now let them feel the release Father, I just heard you say there's somebody here that's stuffing their pain and just pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, not feeling it. You don't want them doing that anymore. Lord God, that's not the solution to push it down. I pray, Father, for springs of living water. To just burst forth inside of them springs of life, Father, to push all of that out, all that they've pushed down, all that they don't want to look at, Lord God, that you, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, their healer. Just touch their heart, Lord God, and bring healing and wholeness in some people, the pain is just so deep, they, they don't even want to feel it. They just want to push it down and not deal with it. Lord, I, I, I pray, I, I think about the scripture that says those things can be powerless ghosts in your life. They don't have to have power anymore. So Father, I pray you drain those things of power in Jesus' name. And I declare your lordship over them. scheme of the enemy, the plot of the enemy in their life, nullified in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you're familiar with every need in this house, every person in this house, Lord God. The very hairs on their head are numbered. You know what their needs are. And I ask, Father, right now that you just meet those needs even before they leave here tonight according to your riches We love you, Lord, and we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name.